Thanks so much for coming, everyone. I love doing these. This is my third one that I've done in Waterstones, and it's just, don't you agree, the coolest venue, just a bar in the bottom of a bookshop. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so thanks for coming. Hopefully you might have listened to the podcast before or heard of it. I actually normally record in a cupboard because you came on before. Yeah. You were like number seven of Wasn't the originals, I? and I've now done 72. So what? this is like a follow-up special that you're going to hear tonight. My, um, my mind is now blown and yeah. I can't talk. And I don't know how long ago that was, but... Yeah, you're I liked being in your cupboard though, it was fun. Um, so yes, this is a themed episode about this amazing book right here, Open, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Yeah, just to tell you the format, so basically we're going to do 30 minutes just chatting and then we're going to do 30 minutes Q&A so you guys can be involved and it's a collaborative effort. So can I embarrass you now just to introduce you quickly? Yeah, you can try. I mean... Well, you've <laughs> been like a real icon to me kind of in the radio space and TV and, you know, I've been a fan for years, as you know, so this is nice um, to do this. But Gemma is a Brit school graduate. Um, she's extremely talented broadcaster across radio and TV and your voice is very well known as well as your style. She presented BBC One Extra show at the weekends and now co-hosts one of the most iconic shows for me. I've listened to the surgery for years and that's the coolest job in the world. Do you agree? I think <laughs> it is a very uh, big job. I do think it's cool sometimes and then other times I think, wow, and I gulp really hard yeah, because I feel... some deep stuff. Yeah, it's deep. It's so deep. Like It flabbergasts me every week as to how deep it actually is. The fact that people have the opportunity to talk about sometimes really kind of cerebral kind mm. of you know could be anything things uh, and sometimes um really really honest base hard things and and the fact that people come on and talk about them on the radio and and maybe it's the first time they've talked about it is incredible yeah. so is I, it I as well because it's nine till ten at night people can open up a bit more and talk about deeper things i think so and i think the surgery in itself regardless of me has established an amazing iconic kind of status amongst radio one because it's always been that place where you can get real like we still play music but it's really nice that there's a place and a home which is a hub for young people especially with young people in mind where you can say of course life can be really fun and we can all go out dancing and listen to pop music and that's really important because I've, I've decided right, with this process that dancing is a philosophy and a way of life but it's, it's also a place where you go but sometimes I feel really insecure or really down or this is going on at home yeah and and I think as well like I, I knew obviously that when you're writing a book of course you were going to write a book but I didn't quite make the link of you know the fact that you talk to young people you did a documentary about um called bruising silence which won awards you know, talking about teenage domestic abuse and all these topics and and the surgery, you're talking about deep things. Of course you were going to write this book and help teenagers. Like, it's a no-brainer. But when was that pinpoint moment of, actually, I'm ready to do this book now? Like most of the things that I do, it was a kind of mashup of organic process. So um, I'd worked on different projects that I was compelled to naturally. At Day of the Girl, which is an international day, uh, at the South Bank Centre, where I'm an artist in residence, I uh, was asked to do some speed mentoring in the Millennium Wheel. And we just chatted, like me and loads of schoolgirls and other amazing just women that were amazing me and pretty much mentoring me without knowing they were. Just having Zandra Rhodes there with pink hair was pretty great. Uh, I met a female pilot who does transatlantic flights. You know, just this lovely coming together of people. 
And the thing that stood out to me most was how excited these young women were, like these schoolgirls saying, wow, just to be able to pick your brains, to have an honest discussion is so cool. And it's so nice for us to talk about our hopes and our dreams and ask you what you think, because it seems as though you're doing all right. Is it always like that? So I said to Jude Kelly, who is the artistic director of the South Bank, I was like, Jude, please help me. I want to do a project and I want to go around schools and I want to speak to more girls like these and I want to find out what's going on in their world and their life. This is before I was doing the surgery as well. And I said, I just want to have an, an open discussion and facilitate a workshop that means that they can bring anonymous subjects to the table that we all have in, in some ways quite an old school debate about and just like bring to the table I'm not a psychotherapist you know I, I'm not an expert in anything except for how messed up life can be sometimes and what came up and we filmed it it's a, it's a short film that you can watch on YouTube called Wow Now and it's like women of the world so it was commissioned through that festival but now like what's going on with the women of our future it's only seven minutes long and I went to schools all around the country and I was literally like oh my goodness like I knew the type of things that would come up but I didn't know how intense it would be I didn't know how it would make me feel inside I suddenly felt this kind of rising responsibility to do something that reached out to them and said like you're not on your own you're all right it's a tough time and that was the beginnings of open at the same time I was like getting to age 30 and being very reflective of my own life and going oh man I'm just so glad that I'm like all right because it ain't been easy how's it been all right and I thought what would I tell myself but you're very good at listening. I think that's the thing is you're giving young people a platform and that's very empowering. You know, having someone listen to you and listen to what you have to say and take it really seriously. You can see their faces, you know, when you're interviewing them, it's, they f- uh, you can tell they feel seen. Um, and I was wondering as well, because you, when I Googled some of the interviews you've done over the years, you're always introduced as smart, savvy, energetic, bold, powerful like you're you are a ball of energy and sunshine that's why the book is yellow it reflects your personality (laughs) but I wondered um I actually you know have got to know you over the last few years but I there's a different side to you in this book and you know you're not sort of just a happy person all the time was that hard for you to kind of write about your own personal story at this moment in time I'll be honest with you like having done a a tour across the country and talked about real things with young people in terms of this book has opened up conversations on grief and bullying and rape culture you know that's so intense and so huge but but very progressive and amazing and necessary like I am feeling like wow like this is so big and it is obviously big from a personal perspective as well I've written about my life and I've always felt like I've been honest about my life like I've always been like this is just me even if it's through my clothes, like, this is just how I dress. Like, I can't change the colour of my skin. <laughs> like, I am not going to conform by being, like, really, really skinny. Like, so that's my way of always sort of saying, oh, you know, like, this is, this is what I believe in, and it's to be myself. And at that same time, and from a more deeper level, I've always been like, yeah, of course things haven't been easy for me. I, like, and I got to a point where I realised that everybody was like, how can you always be so positive? how are you always so up? And I was like, I only know how to be that positive from knowing the opposite, if that makes sense. And that, that's what makes me have a lot of friends because like, I contain empathy as they do. And, and, and I believe in individuality. So not everyone's struggles or problems or things or good bits are the same. And I actually love that about life. That's what I also loved about the book is um, there's a bit on friendship and it's very much like 
friends are amazing I've got the best friends ever like you really think about how cool it is to have a really good friendship group but then you turn the page and then you talk about the downside of friendship and (laughs) people who are bad to you and and I actually really appreciated that about the book because although it makes you feel great it it's not brushing over things I wondered some of the friendship stuff is amazing it sort of helps you decide whether a friend is like a little bit toxic or like a lot toxic it's like here's how to push through a friendship here's when you need to unfriend them yeah. I found that very very useful did that come from personal experience I'm sure oh did. my goodness yeah I've had loads of friends like I've partied my whole life and there's only 32 years but I've crammed in a lot you know so you a make lot a lot of ma- you make a lot of mates <laughs> some of them are really fun for that like that moment and some of them uh, become like your deepest most like you know your special confidants and you know even now at my life when you I've like I've lost like a really good friend in my life and I never thought that I'd get to that point so you know you, you don't expect that do you like from a young bunch of women but so you it makes you just think about like what's important to you and how it makes you feel rather than just following the good time and then you can relate that back to being really young as well you know I wanted to be in the popular crew like I wanted I, that meant I could be naughty and 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 just sort of go along with these people. Not saying that it's all their fault. Of course, it's partly mine. But you—that is toxic, and that relates to adult life as well. Like, there are definitely people, you know, within my industry beyond that we can all, you know, that we can relate to, that might be okay in terms of like to have a conversation with. But in terms of giving them your soul, maybe that's a little bit dangerous. Yeah, because um, there's a bit about like grief and and loss and and lots of different ways of coping with something that leaves you. And actually, I think friendship breakups are just as tragic as romantic ones sometimes. Oh my! And I liked how you covered that, because I think it's important. The more research I did into it, because it wasn't just me wanging on, like, it was, I I researched and I asked people and I I spoke to experts and I read poetry and I thought about things deeply and I was like, oh man, there's this real strong thread amongst how we like experience heartbreak so we like experience heartbreak and we can we can say exactly what that is to other humankind when it's your partner your romantic partner you're like heartbreak like amy winehouse can sing that like and it's incredible uh but like it's not necessarily applied to grief and loss but there are actual similarities like psychologically and scientifically in terms of how our bodies will inhabit the feeling of heartbreak romantically to actually like grieving or coming off drugs supposedly which is another thing that I learned which is insane and terrifying but the same applies to every relationship and the same applies to our mates because mates are brilliant I know I always think when you when I talk to you I feel like you can't help but talk about the people you work with because (laughs) you know you do a lot of collaborating you have your own production company you work with your friends like um, one of your best friends was in the Edinburgh show that you produced and it's such a big part of what you do, work and life. Yeah. I wondered, y- you do have a bit of a bonkers life. How do you manage all the different aspects of that? Because I-, I love talking to women and men who are kind of like multi-hyphenates and they do <laughs> loads of different things. And I wondered, I'm like that. I wear so many different hats. And I wondered, like, are your friends a big part of how you manage that? I mean, that's why we hang out or, ha- or have a mutual respect, I hope, amongst each other because I'm compelled to women, particularly in this industry, that are like, mm-hmm, dust their shoulder, I will try this, and I will, mm-hmm, try that. I not always work, but you're like, I try but, that. And, I, and, and most of the time, achieve it, really. It might not be 
I don't know, people project so much in terms of like what success is, but I just think that's rubbish. I, I like, but trying things is a huge success in it. I mean, doing things, flip, flip, I mean, I swear, I don't know. Flip the idea of just trying things, doing things is, is amazing. And um, sometimes I get exhausted, yeah, of course. Like, and uh, sometimes I think, oh man, like working with my best friend is difficult. Like I have to tell her about a budget that is boring. That is not going for a wine, having a gossip. Like, I have to get her over it and we will drink tea and we will break down facts and figures and look at a spreadsheet. So that's one of the things that I had to do whilst running a production company, which I do, called Boom Shakalaka, which shows you how serious I take it. <laughs> um, and don't you work from, like, a, uh, the attic of a pub or is that yeah i did I we had you were like i'm having a meeting you have to come to the pub <laughs> yeah so it was from the attic of a north london pub but we got ridden with ma mice and i was like enough's enough like <laughs> i know i'm trying to be edgy and punk but i can't cope with it um and I, and i moved out of london as well i moved to margate by the sea which is edgy and punk enough i think <laughs> i love that also with um I, I've been talking a lot about um, boundaries at the moment, like in some of my work and just like setting, you know, that sort of like, I don't want to do that actually. And I feel like moving out of London is like a natural, you're creating a natural boundary because you're like, oh, sorry, can't come to that pointless meeting. I'm yeah. in Margate. Um, has that helped as well? Absolutely, because I get asked to go to a lot of meetings. Not that I get asked to do a lot of work. Sometimes I get asked to do work. <laughs> but just like, give me all your ideas. Let's chat. Let's have a coffee. I like coffee and I like chatting about ideas. Like, I am full of them. I call myself an ideas monster. Some of them are terrible too. But um, i just too compelled to people and having the discussion of ideas and thinking, man, I, wouldn't it be so cool to create the new Spice Girls and try and take over the world? And uh so I needed to just like see some C and do some exercise <laughs> and yeah. just go, nah, you don't want to be a Spice Girl. Just some parts that. of it. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, because I, I wanted to talk about mental health as part of the book. I guess that links kind of um, from looking after yourself. One of the reasons I loved the book as well is because you really spell out sort of like what our body is doing, like kind of what we we're talking about heartache and the difference between heartbreak and heartache just spelling that out a bit is like oh yeah that's how I felt and I, I can call it something yeah and the same with our brain that uh, there's a bit in the book about um how our brains are so clever because you can tell basically you can't tickle yourself because your brain knows it's your hand <laughs> and so anyway you'll have to read the book there's loads of little nuggets like that where you, you know little facts I want to high five you on that because you're the first person that has found that really good. Because everyone else, my favorite bit. In I the book. bring that up, and people are like, "Oh, well, I kind of knew that." I'm like, "Yeah, but it's funny. It's funny." <laughs> and also, we need to. I guess the point of that being in the book as well is because you need to kind of respect your brain. Like sometimes it's annoying and it lets us down, and yeah, our brains crap sometimes, but it's also fabulous. And I yeah. thought, what was that really important for you to have a chapter on sort of um, mental health, anxiety? You know, it's it's epidemic at the moment. Yeah, really. uh, yeah, I'm so gutted that it's an epidemic whether that's at the moment or always has been but i'm gutted that we are finding things tough particularly now um i have never been shy about talking about mental health i grew up in a household with a single parent who suffered hugely and one of the things that i respect from that time because obviously there's a lot of painful times but was the constant honest discussion <laughs> about it um, even from a really formative age. So I have never been shy to talk about the intricacies of our brains and why certain things might happen and the fact that if somebody's playing up or acting differently or afraid or doing whatever, whatever, it might not just be their fault. It might be to do with um, 
something in their brain. It might be to do with something that they've been through and uh, it might be to do something with that they're going through. And all I wanted to be able to do was to break it up into loads of different like forms, whether it's like almost some of it's almost gobbledygook, the sort of poetry in terms of like words. And then some of it's like clinical explanations because I think that different things resonate with us in different ways, like depending on age, depending on family, depending on regionality, so that you can just say, hand in the air, I, I now hope that I will contain like some sort of sincere care for my friends if they're going through stuff and not judge them because judging is one of the things that sets us off and also um, if I'm ever going through something myself I'll have the, the the moment in my heart to feel not alone and within that to be able to reach out to the right person to help me. Yeah that was some of it was really helpful in terms of for example, I, you know, some of it was very relatable to me and I was like, oh, that's definitely happened to me. Some of it wasn't, and I, but I learned how to then have that empathy for other people. There's a bit about, in the book, there's, you know, there's loads in the book. Look at how big there's the book so is. So I'm so sorry that you had to read it all. Oh my God, I loved it. You're meant to dip it. in and out. No, Just anyone that's had to research it, I think, oh, well, how heavy. No, well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a joy to read. But I learned so much. I mean, obviously, you've had experts in there and Dr. Rada chips in with stuff. And it's like, it's yeah. you learn so much. But um, the bit about social anxiety, mm. because I don't, I don't have... It, like I'm you know sometimes maybe when I'm at a really you know one of those media parties where everyone's really cool <laughs> but um there's a bit about social anxiety can be when someone is maybe talking to you in a group that they have anxiety about starting a conversation yeah or like the most kind of the niche things that y you should be aware of and help someone through because it could be small to you but it could be really big to them absolutely and that's exactly what that 10,000 words ish on your mind is supposed to explore being able to inhabit and relate to certain things yourself but also to just think oh well, that's what that person might be going through and how can I support them because there's, there's definitely stuff in this entire book which I haven't been through like definitely I've been through loads but I'm like I some of that I haven't but I do care what did what stuff really stands out to you that you learned that you kind of didn't know before? Because you know th this is targeted as well at at young people. Yeah. But you read it as an adult and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. It goes you know, right it's, out. It's, it's a really lie. It's a marketing yeah. lie. Like it, yeah. it it starts at a young adult age group. But I promise you, like it's not just for girls. It's not just for teenagers. Like the amazing conversations that I'm having with people of all ages goes from 12 to like women in their 60s saying I can finally talk about periods like, and that's so exciting. Oh my god periods can we just talk about it really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god I won't spoil it because you'll have to read it but there's period leaks. I mean, yeah. There's Gemma's was really bad. Wasn't I mean, that so bad? I mean, I've had it's nearly as bad as that. That was so bad. I don't know what I did wrong in life for that. Um, yeah, there's a chapter called uh, The Worst Leak of My Life. Like my, so put it, I, uh, You'll have to read it. It's my favourite is going... I've been into lots of schools talking about this book and looking at a whole like group of boys and girls of like really young, excitable, brilliant minds that I believe in so much in terms of the future and saying there's a bit in it called like the worst leak of my life and everyone really like <gasps> like like their brains exploding out of their heads are like yeah
because guess what? A load of us have periods. Uh, do you remember in like the 90s when white linen trousers were really in? <laughs> and like I always, all white linen skirts. And I was always just like, <laughs> why? Why do these things exist? No. Oh, hilarious. But um, yeah, is there anything else as well that you thought kind of like as an adult we should have been taught at school? There's some stuff that I, I remember learning, but I wasn't really told too much about. Yeah. Stuff like TSS. I know. Um, and just stuff like that, which I read, and I was like, I don't know if I was taught that, actually. I know. So toxic shock syndrome, TSS. Um, that All that is, in our generation especially, and I'm 32, you're a little bit younger than me, aren't you? Just like, was doom. <laughs> it's just like, you could die when you're on your period. And it's like, great. <laughs> it's pretty bad enough as it is. Um, and then you'd like try and sort of read like the pamphlet that came with tampons and try and get your head around it. So I just wanted to break it down in the book in terms of like the logistics of how you should, how often you should change your tampon through like medical expertise. But the fact that it is very rare is kind of comforting. And the fact that there are all sorts of ways to sort of protect yourself. I don't know if that's, I hate this wording that we've been implanting with, but like there are ways that, you know, like, I learned loads about a moon cup writing this book. Like, loads. And it, like, changed my brain. Because I'm not of the generation that is au fait with uh, what a moon cup is or does. I knew that it was, like, a thing. But I was just like, why? Why should I? Like, I've been doing Have this a long time. It? I need to. I'm going to. Yeah. Next period. Here we go. <laughs> but, like, seriously, even environmentally, that is so important. That blew my mind. I never thought about in, like, what we're doing to the planet by just, just biologically, which is just messed up in terms of advertising and being able to take hold of that. Does that make sense? It's just deeper than you think, and it's annoying. No, it's true. Um, <laughs> also, I thought what was really interesting is um, this is for whatever age, but yeah. um, people can learn from it, but also we can learn from teens. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's a big section on politics and, you know, activism in teens. And yeah. what did you learn from younger oh people? Oh, my like, goodness. It, I guess it's reversed as well. So I went on tour for 10 days around the country again. So I've done it with Wow Now, and I did it with Bam Now, Being a Man Now, but with the book. And I did Q&As like this in schools of all age groups. I lost my voice because I was so exhausted. Like, I, I have a brace, an adult brace, and my like, mouth was like torn apart from talking so much. It pretty much still is. Yeah, and, but, oh my goodness, I was not stopping. Like, I felt so excited by the conversations that I was having with teenagers and that's age 12 to 16 like what they were talking to me about when it comes to gender fluidity when it comes to equality when it comes to what they would like to see in education how they care about like the state of the world and like just having someone saying to them is anyone here wanting to be a politician or anyone here even thought about how exciting it is that you get the chance to register to vote in the next election and you just see their minds like blown because no one ever asks them that. Everyone just says, get your A grade and make sure that you can buy a house one day. And that's probably not going to be possible. <laughs> like, and I just, I found it so exciting to have those conversations. And it doesn't have to be super deep. We've been talking about deepness. It's literally as simple as saying, you have the power. And, that, and I'm not telling anyone to, to sway in any direction politically whatsoever. I have no agenda except to say, choose what you want. 
and 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 live the life that you want to it's not all decided by everyone and it's not all going to be rubbish like there's so many things we can do even if that's in our community like well because i was going to ask yeah. about that because like, i feel like you're very good at commu you know putting communities together creating communities um when i went to margate for a bit of Gemma's book tour we did it in a margate kind of gallery yeah and you were very much just like Yes, Margate. Yeah. Like, let's all work together. Let's all like talk about politics together. Let's hang out and talk about things. And do you feel like maybe for people who feel like maybe they don't have a big sense of community, yeah. especially in London, I feel like I don't see the same person twice at the train station. Yeah. I'm like, who can I like just say hi to? Look, actually, the coffee guy I know now because I've made him my friend. So I want to feel like I'm in a village. <laughs> I'm like, morning. <laughs> when really it's just like, you know, pollution. But so, um, <laughs> How, yeah, London how, is amazing, by the way. Yeah, I don't it hate is. London. And it's one giant community. Yeah, we've all got each other's back. Um, but yeah, how do you feel like you can make your own communities and, and how, how has that kind of influenced your life as well? I think it's just like looking around you and being really honest. So like you were saying, you feel like that and you can't compare it to like the, what you saw going on an hour and a half away from the big city. But like, and also it, it, it's a different thing altogether. Like we can't compare like what is in your life that you can adapt and and give something for like for in a positive in a positive way not necessarily adapt and change so that you can make loads of money but like how can you change perspective like you're doing it with your podcast series it's 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 touching people like you're chatting to all sorts of different people about stuff you might not agree with every single thing that someone says and that doesn't matter. The listener might not agree with every single thing that somebody says, but it's an independent form that people can go, hmm, okay. And they can work out like who they are. They can have a sense of identity. And I think that, that in its own right is really important. And I think that we can do that in any way. And I was saying, you know, again, going using the schools as an example, saying to people in tiny villages in Yorkshire, saying they were just so excited about everything. You say, well, what what is it that you like that you that you excited about in terms of the future? And they're like, I don't know. Now I just want to think about feminism and can we start a feminist book group? And I was like, Yeah, but never take on the rage. Don't get too upset and angry. Like, it's not. It's way more than language. It's way more than the word feminism. Like, yeah. how about you look at what is about equality in your area in terms of a charity, somebody that is enabling all people, and you do a massive bake sale. You do a trampoline like a uh, mad day where you just like don't stop jumping and it's like to raise money for something that actually promotes equality in your community you know like it I think that's really important because I, I think there's like a Catelyn Moran quote which is like if you speak in anger you will get anger back yeah. but, so if you're aggressive about anything people don't really listen to what you're saying they just listen to the anger it's really and I really take that on but because you open the book with basically like a big sort of opening of you know about love basically yeah the definition of it yeah and also how if you lead with that you can't really go wrong yeah one would hope because if we can love others and if we can just about even if we mess up just about find some love for ourselves <laughs> or explore what that means then we could all be all right <laughs> Well, I think we've been talking for like half an hour. -ish. Sorry, I wang no, on. I'm no, really good at it's it. It's gone so quick. I could talk to you for hours. Just um, but I just on. wanted to kind of give the mics over to you guys and be part of the podcast. Obviously, it is recorded. So if you're happy to be recorded and, you know, feel oh, free to... Oh, do you to know what? Don't worry about it. Just say it. doesn't matter if you're happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> you're going on the podcast. Um, yeah, so does anyone have a question for Gemma? Anything goes. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Hello. Um, do you ever feel like pressure because you are successful? to say that you're okay when you're not because 
Stormzy, he uh, yeah. he said that he was he was got got a lot of praise because he said he wasn't okay all the time. Yeah. On his album, he said he sat alone crying in his flat sometimes, and he got a lot of praise for that, especially from the culture he was from. Do you ever feel that pressure because you're successful? Um, do you sort of think you need to say you're okay when you're not? Absolutely. That's a really good question. I definitely, definitely up until. <sighs> it's so weird because I look back and I look at my earlier radio days. I've been doing radio for eight years. I've been at the BBC on various shows for nearly a decade. And it's through my growing up, like from 23 to now. And uh, even though I, w- if, if I, was, I was so buoyed by my job, I was so overexcited that I would mostly be in an adrenaline and happy and fine. But even if I was playing like a One Direction song and if I thought it was rubbish, I'd come off it and be like, please <laughs> and then like you know so like in a really really subtle way i'd always be like come on now let's have a good time um but on a more deeper level in terms of actual mental health or like feeling really low then i think that yeah like i've had to like mentally prepare for certain things in my job where you think i don't know whether i can cope with going to an award ceremony tonight where i'm going to be totally scrutinized and like the pictures, when they take pictures of you on a red carpet, it's so loud and so visceral and so bright that you have a half an hour pickup time in your brain to think, I bet I look terrible, but I'm pretending to everyone that I'm fine, so I'm just going to guzzle champagne. Like, you know, so there's like little weird moments like that. Um, that's why I think I'm, I feel happy that I've gone into a realm where I can just be honest about that. It doesn't mean that I don't like entertainment. It doesn't mean that I don't want to have a grime career like Stormzy, which I do. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, but, like, you know, I still want to do the shiny stuff, but I think we all need to be a bit more honest. And someone like Stormzy coming out and saying that, particularly as a young black man, like, very, very, very important. I find it really interesting as well, kind of the different types of bravery and the different types of anxiety, because um, in Lenny Letter the other day, uh, Lena Dunham wrote something that was um, like, she can get naked on screen and you know everyone's like, oh, you're so brave, but she couldn't attend her own premiere for more than five minutes. She had a bit of an anxiety episode. And it's sort of like, I feel like that sometimes. Like I can do a talk in front of like a thousand people, yeah. but then sometimes I can't like go down the road or get the tube to go into town. It's like dividing the two is kind of interesting. <sighs> it's a it's a mind boggle, and I think it's something that people need to advise anyone that's going to any arena of public profile to be really aware of and to be able to have a team that you can really trust. Because I definitely have known, especially people in music, that have done it really, really young and imploded because they also comedians yeah it happens particularly to women like if you're a man you can be like way more out there like with how you're feeling mentally i think i mean i don't know not completely but like i think it depends on what what you're doing but i think have a team of people that you can say hello hello i'm really not feeling this like that's a really, really good question. I feel like it's a stigma as well to talk about like the downside of success because people are like, "Yeah, oh, get your violin away." No, I know, <laughs> but like, we're all the same. Mm. We are all the same, and I feel a responsibility actually to say that again and again and again. Whether it's through a book, and I get annoyed with my peers or people above me, supposedly or whatever, that don't admit that we're all messed up. That's okay. <laughs> like it makes us better in a way. Good old Stormzy. Yeah, lo- um, I mean, of course, <laughs> praise, <laughs> yeah. hail. Any other quezzies? I just said quezzies. 
Um, I had a question about when you went into schools yeah, and the kind of conversations you had with the kids there and what you said a little bit about how they talk a little bit more about gender fluidity, but also maybe mental health. And I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about that and mm. whether there is a more open conversation with teenagers right now to do with mental health and to do with gender. I think... Uh, 100% like and I was going to different parts of the country as well so it was quite encouraging it wasn't just sort of going into a city and hearing one thing generally the note was even with really different demographics of people so regardless of cultural background or money or anything to do with the class system there was this really searing uh, sense that people want to be honest and that they want a bit of change in that in in what and how to be honest and that it shouldn't all be online because the amount of information that we're getting so quickly online is becoming quite confusing and overwhelming and it's so rampant that like curation beco becomes really important hence why I was like I'm very excited to tell you about a book and books are good and nice not just mine loads loads you know there's a reading list in my book and they will help you calm and slow. And everyone's like, yeah! And you know, and like just sort of localizing again, like just getting back to like a root um, was a really fun discussion to have amongst that. But people are definitely wanting to talk, Poli like specifically like politically as well, without meaning to be like overtly political, just being like, I'm just really worried about the planet, you know? And that really affects our mental health. Right? But it's okay, like they were amazing, like I met way better 17 year olds than me like I was like if you can run the country I said to one girl she was a head girl she was so cool in Wolverhampton I was like what do you want to do when you're older like your opinions and views are so great and she was like be a journalist and I was like okay like, you'll be a really good journalist I was like please be a politician yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that I feel like when you see all the stats of you know what people are voting and what teenagers are doing I'm like hopefully we'll be fine like that's kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel like I, I interviewed Rowan Blanchard for the podcast mm. she's 14 you probably all heard of her kind of Disney star but also saving the planet and Amazing. fighting gun violence and like feminism and and gender fluidity I'm like yes we'll be fine and like, all we need to do to help that is to just go of course you can yeah. like just because you're 14 the amount of advanced thinking that they are doing because of the information that is at their fingertips, we cannot underestimate. So we need to go, yeah, you probably know more about me than that. Cool. Of course you can run the country. Yeah, definitely. Last question? Oh, go oh, on. Yes. Um, so you were talking about feminism and anger and like how important it is to try to not be angry when you come, when you're like facing those sort of conflicts. But what I personally find really difficult is separating like the passion that I have for social causes and preventing that from like coming across as anger mm. and like what are your thoughts on that because I think a lot of people sort of look at people and they go oh she's just so angry blah blah, blah ranting all the time but people just think of themselves as being passionate whereas like you know like it's really hard to balance so what I do know. you sort of think about it's that? like that bossy women thing yeah, but like later exactly. down the line isn't it just going oh what do you mean feminism is a bossy woman yeah. like um I mean, just I'm loud as well, so well, I can just be really happy. Have you, have you ever had that? that? Have you ever had comments oh being like, you know, you're you you're loud? Yes. I just, like, um, I don't know if you saw, but in the Guardian guide they mentioned this. Did they? And like, I just it was like a bit snarky, and it was like, <laughs> oh, sometimes Emma speaks in inspirational quotes, and I was like, 
is there something just about someone under 30 doing something and using their voice you know a girl is is it are you trying to belittle me like are you trying to make everything fluffier than it is because i'm a, I'm a woman and it just it's i just find it quite interesting oh my goodness i've got a backlog of all this stuff like <sighs> running around glastonbury being the roving reporter for example for seven years which has been an honor in terms of being able to say to people it's more than a headlining act you can go to shangri-la in the middle of the night and see like a post-apocalyptic world or um you can go to the theater stage and do salsa with your kids all that stuff that i do tightrope walk well, hey cycle for a juice like whatever it is um, I've done that. I've done loads of different scenarios of that within Glastonbury, and then someone in the Telegraph described me as a rambling gerbil, and I was just like, <laughs> "I'm excited!" And a rambling gerbil is kind of good. Um, I know I've been called everything, like annoying, like probably special needs, like in terms of I don't know whether that's I'm not saying that's an insult, but in terms of just what people project on me for being slightly different, like. Um, yeah, being a woman, uh, being an overt woman with lots to say, taking risks, being mixed race, especially like so you're not like one thing or the other, just having a sense of difference um, and being passionate and being passionate. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot, you know, and it, you can be deemed as angry. You can be deemed as bossy. People will try and like place you in a sense of difference, but um, it gets boring after a while. I think all you can do is just be you. And I do think you need to monitor rage because otherwise you c it's easy to be really upset about it all. That like it feels like nothing's happening. Um, and I think that you can use the passion. Like there's a bit in the book called A Melting Pot of Mad. And it's like, I'm so mad. And I wrote that just after I found out about uh, the, the murder of Joe Cox. And I just wrote it and I was just like, I'm so mad. But I don't, what can I do with my madness? Like, I'm in Greece alone. I was alone writing. It's like, I am mad. And what can I do? And, like, it, it needs to be channeled. So I'm glad that it's in a book and contained and edited, <laughs> you know, because the rage is, like, not healthy for me or for other people. So if I'm lambasted along the way for being who I am. If you're feeling rage upon rage upon rage, I think there's a way of communicating it in, in a really passionate way. For me, it's like... You know when you're about to fire off a really angry email, but you should sleep on it. Because I love sending angry email, like a strongly worded email. Yeah. Um, but then I always regret it, and I always yeah. calm down. So I feel like in a pit of rage, write it down, get it out, but you might feel better, and you might be able to communicate it just in a better way. That's a good idea. Yeah. Sometimes critique is good as well. Be able to take critique. Like, cri just normal critique is... Is, is normal, you know? <laughs> I think we have time for more questions. We're having so much fun. Oh, go on. There's go time on. for one. It can be literally anything. And then we can chat and have drinks afterwards anyway. Yeah, go on. Oh, Hi, so uh, you said that um, in talking to, to young people as you, as you did your book tour, that um, you learned some things from them. What was your favourite thing that you learned in doing that? That is a really good question because I learned so many things. Well, we relearned how great the Spice Girls album was. <laughs> because we sung it hard on the bus. I took a bus around the country, so it wasn't just us with the book. I bought a double-decker bus to prove to the publishers that I was serious about my commitment. And it Elton John's what was it? I wish it was Elton John's bus. I love that as a rumour. Oh, my God. Continue that as a rumour. <laughs> um, but we painted it yellow and we called it dandelion. It was like actually really simple things that I, enjo I enjoyed as a favourite thing, like swapping playlists. 
So, you know, like the, the joy and togetherness in music, like singing to Ed Sheeran on the bus, you know, um, talking about capturing memories. So everyone being really overexcited, but saying, aren't we sick of always taking pictures on our phone? Like, I've got a Polaroid camera. Like, should we just take loads of Polaroids, which you can see like up at the bit where we're doing the signing of like on tour and, and like, like bringing things back to basics of like, it takes a while for that to develop and mostly people look wonderful and happy. Like, so like little things that we can put into our lives, all of us, regardless of age, music, exchange of it, like memory capture and just plain old fashioned fun, regardless of how cool you are at the end of it. I think is my favourite thing. I think it's so interesting um, now that people love putting people in like generational boxes. Yeah. Like we we are all human beings and we don't have to be like we're not that different. We're just not. We can keep trying to be. And I think there's been like a good old a successful process of making us feel really segregated. But it doesn't like categories are so jarring. I don't know. I like I like all ages. I like all people. And we, yeah. you run a club night in Margate, which yeah. I got to go to, and it was so fun. Although everyone was dancing, and I like nearly passed out from the exercise <laughs> of the dancing. Like l everyone else was fine. I was like, I'm really unfit. I'm you know getting down to the ground, and literally was like, this is a workout. No one else is sweating. Um, and it was the best night ever, but it was such a range of people, yeah. of ages, of backgrounds, just er all sorts of people, and I loved it. Yeah, and that's, I think I'm lucky that I feel like I grew up within that. I feel lucky that I've seen different things, like joy and pain. I feel lucky that I'm, like, mixed race. Like, I feel lucky about all these things that I can just hang out with whoever. And I, and I feel like we should all just try that for a bit. Because... <laughs> like, Everyone's telling us that we shouldn't. We need to be like one thing. Even that thing again about language, like feminist. And if you're not, that's it. It's like it's not as simple as that. Like, do you believe in equality? Yeah. Your favorite yeah. word in the book is nuance, isn't it? Yeah, because that's just how I feel all of the time. <laughs> well, thank you so much for bringing thank you. all of your wisdom and all of your friends and all of your, you know, oh. everything is in this <laughs> book. Like this book has just got a heartbeat. Um, and it's amazing. It's an incredible book. Um, Gemma's going to sign some yeah. if you guys want a signed copy. And just thank you so much for coming. I love doing this podcast and I kind of I just love sharing it with people that listen. So Also, thank, thank you, you, Emma. Thank you for thank like, you. letting me come on again to wang on more. Like It was great. Let's, so let's what, what an awesome girl. Like, cheers. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Let's all chat. Now Woman, well. person, everything, not just girl. <laughs>